Today we will discover that dwarves are such angry creatures, and how cruel they truly are. Whilst we also discover a secret hidden by a princess, set to marry her father. Welcome listeners to Brothers Grimweek, and I have for you two tales. Snow White and Rose Red, a tale of two sisters, and a dwarf. And Catskin, a tale unto its own. I've also noticed that most of the Brothers Grimm stories have abrupt endings. But the way these stories end always has me thinking, huh, okay then. Let me know what you think though, you'll see what I mean by the first story for today. So pour yourself a delicious hot tea, get all cozy, and I'll share a story with thee. Snow White and Rose Red There was once a poor widow who lived in a lonely cottage. In front of the cottage was a garden, wherein stood two rose trees, one of which bore white and the other red roses. She had two children who were like the two rose trees, and one was called Snow White and the other Rose Red. They were as good and happy, as busy and cheerful as ever two children in the world were. Only Snow White was more quiet and gentle than Rose Red. Rose Red liked better to run about in the meadows and fields, seeking flowers and catching butterflies. But Snow White sat at home with her mother, and helped her with her housework, or read to her when there was nothing to do. The two children were so fond of one another, that they always held each other by the hand when they went out together. And when Snow White said, We will not leave each other, Rose Red answered, Never so long as we live. And their mother would add, What one has she must share with the other. They often ran about the forest alone, and gathered red berries, and no beasts did them any harm, but came close to them trustfully. The little hare would eat a cabbage leaf out of their hands, the roe grazed by their side, the stag leapt merrily by them, and the birds sat still upon the boughs, and sang whatever they knew. No mishap overtook them. If they had stayed too late in the forest, and night came on, they laid themselves down near one another upon the moss, and slept until morning came, and their mother knew this, and did not worry on their account. Once when they had spent the night in the wood, and the dawn had roused them, they saw a beautiful child in a shining white dress sitting near their bed. He got up and looked quite kindly at them, but said nothing and went into the forest, and when they looked around, they found that they had been sleeping quite close to a precipice, and would have certainly fallen into it in the darkness if they had gone only a few paces further. And their mother told them that it must be the angel that watches over good children. Snow White and Rose Red kept their mother's little cottage so neat that it was a pleasure to look inside it. In the summer, Rose Red took care of the house, and every morning laid a wreath of flowers by her mother's bed before she awoke, in which was a rose from each tree. In the winter, Snow White lit the fire and hung the kettle on the hob. The kettle was of brass and shone like gold, so highly polished was it. In the evening, when the snowflakes fell, the mother said, Go, Snow White, and bolt the door. And then they sat around the hearth, and the mother took her spectacles and read aloud out of a large book, and the two girls listened as they sat and spun, and close by them lay a lamb upon the floor, and behind them, upon a perch, sat a white dove with its head hidden beneath its wings. One evening, as they were thus sitting comfortably together, someone knocked at the door, as if he wished to be let in. The mother said, Quick, Rose Red, open the door, it must be a traveller, who is seeking shelter. Rose Red went and pushed back the bolt, thinking that it was a poor man, 
but it was not. It was a bear that stretched his broad black head within the door. Rose Red screamed and sprang back. The lamb bleated, the dove fluttered, and Snow White hid herself behind her mother's bed. But the bear began to speak and said, Do not be afraid. I will do you no harm. I am half frozen and only want to warm myself a little beside you. Poor bear, said the mother. Lie down by the fire. Only take care that you don't burn your coat. Then she cried, Snow White, Rose Red, come out. The bear will do you no harm. He means well. So they both came out, and by and by the lamb and dove came nearer and were not afraid of him. The bear said, Here, children, knock the snow out of my coat a little. So they brought the broom and swept the bear's hide clean. And he stretched himself by the fire and growled contentedly and comfortably. It was not long before they grew quite at home and played tricks with their clumsy guest. They tugged his hair with their hands, put their feet upon his back and rolled him about. Or they took a hazel switch and beat him. And when he growled, they laughed. But the bear took it all in good part. Only when they were too rough, he called out, Leave me alive, children. Snow White, Rose Red, will you beat your wooer dead? When it was bedtime, and the others went to bed, the mother said to the bear, You can lie there by the hearth, and then you will be safe from the cold and the bad weather. As soon as day dawned, the two children let him out, and he trotted across the snow into the forest. Henceforth, the bear came every evening at the same time, laid himself down by the hearth, and let the children amuse themselves with him as much as they liked. And they got so used to him that the doors were never fastened until their friend had arrived. When spring had come and all outside was green, the bear said one morning to Snow White, No, I must go away and cannot come back for the whole summer. Where are you going then, dear bear? asked Snow White. I must go into the forest and guard my treasures from the wicked dwarves. In the winter, when the earth is frozen hard, they are obliged to stay below and cannot walk their way through. But now, when the sun has thawed and warmed the earth, they break through it and come out to pry and steal. And what once gets into their hands and in their caves does not easily see daylight again. Snow White was quite sorry at his departure, and as she unbolted the door for him and the bear was hurrying out, he caught against the bolt and a piece of his hairy coat was torn off, and it seemed to Snow White as if she had seen gold shining through it but she was not sure about it. The bear ran away quickly and was soon out of sight behind the trees. A short time afterwards, the mother sent her children into the forest to get firewood. There they found a big tree, which lay felled on the ground. And close by the trunk, something was jumping backwards and forwards in the grass, but they could not make out what it was. When they came nearer, they saw a dwarf with an old withered face and a snow-white beard, a yard long. The end of the beard was caught in a crevice of the tree, and the little fellow was jumping about like a dog tied to a rope, and did not know what to do. He glared at the girls with his fiery red eyes and cried, Why do you stand there? Can you not come here and help me? What are you up to, little man? Asked Rose Red. You stupid prying goose, answered the dwarf. I was going to split the tree to get a little wood for cooking. The little bit of food that we people get is immediately burnt up with heavy logs. We do not swallow as much as you, coarse, greedy folk. I had just driven the wedge safely in, and everything was going as I wished. 
but the cursed wedge was too smooth and suddenly sprang out, and the tree closed so quickly I couldn't pull out my beautiful white beard, so now it is tight and I cannot get away, and the silly sleek-faced things laugh. Ugh, how odious you are. The children tried very hard, but they could not pull the beard out. It was caught too fast. I will run and fetch someone, said Rose Red. You senseless goon, snarled the dwarf. Why should you fetch someone? You are already too, too many for me. Can you not think of something better? Don't be impatient, said Snow White. I will help you. And she pulled her scissors out of her pocket and cut off the end of the beard. As soon as the dwarf felt himself free, he laid hold of a bag which lay amongst the roots of the tree, and which was full of gold, and lifted it up, grumbling to himself, Uncouth people, to cut off a piece of my fine beard. Bad luck to you. And then he swung the bag upon his back, and went off without even once looking at the children. Sometime afterwards, Snow White and Rose Red went to catch a dish of fish, and as they came near the brook, they saw something like a large grasshopper jumping towards the water, as if it were going to leap in. They ran to it, and found it was the dwarf. Where are you going? said Rose Red. You surely don't want to go into the water. I am not such a fool! cried the dwarf. Don't you see that the accursed fish wants to pull me in? The little man had been sitting there fishing, and unluckily the wind had tangled up his beard with the fishing line. A moment later, a big fish made a bite, and the feeble creature had not strength to pull it out. The fish kept the upper hand and pulled the dwarf towards him. He held onto all the reeds and rushes, but it was of little good, for he was forced to follow the movement of the fish, and was in urgent danger of being dragged into the water. The girls came just in time. They held him fast and tried to free his beard from the line, but all in vain. Beard and line were entangled fast together. There was nothing to do but to bring out the scissors and cut the beard, whereby a small part of it was lost. When the dwarf saw that, he screamed out, Is that civil, you toadstool, to disfigure a man's face? Was it not enough to clip off the end of my beard? Now you have to cut off the best part of it? I can't be seen by my people. I wish you had been made to run the soles off your shoes. Then he took out a sack of pearls which lay in the rushes, and without another word, he dragged it away, and disappeared behind a stone. It happened that soon afterwards, the mother sent the two children to the town to buy needles and thread, and laces and ribbons. The road led them across a heath upon which huge pieces of rock lay strewn about. There they noticed a large bird hovering in the air, flying slowly round and round above them. It sank lower and lower, and at last settled near a rock not far away. Immediately, they heard a loud, piteous cry. They ran up and saw with horror that the eagle had seized their old acquaintance, the dwarf, and was going to carry him off. The children, full of pity, at once took tight hold of the little man, and pulled against the eagle so long that at last he let his booty go. As soon as the dwarf had recovered from his first fright, he cried with his shrill voice, Could you not have done it more carefully? You dragged at my brown coat so that it is all torn and full of holes, you clumsy creatures. Then he took up a sack full of precious stones, and slipped away again, under the rock, into his hole. The girls, who by this time were used to his ingratitude, went on their way and did their business in town. As they crossed the heath again, on their way home, 
they surprised the dwarf, who had emptied out his bag of precious stones in a clean spot, and had not thought that anyone would come there so late. The evening sun shone upon the brilliant stones, they glittered and sparkled, with all colours so beautifully that the children stood still and stared at them. Why do you stand gaping there? cried the dwarf, and his ashen grey face became copper red with rage. He was still cursing when a loud growling was heard, and a black bear came trotting towards them out of the forest. The dwarf sprang up in fright, but he could not reach his cave, for the bear was already close. Then in the dread of his heart he cried, Dear Mr. Bear, spare me! I will give you all my treasures. Look, the beautiful jewels lying there. Grant me my life. What would you want with such a slender little fellow as I? You wouldn't feel me between your teeth. Come, come, take these two wicked girls. They are tender morsels for you. Fat as young quails, for mercy eat them. The bear took no heed of his words, but gave the wicked creature a single blow with his paw, and he did not move again. The girls had run away, but the bear called to them, Snow White and Rose Red, do not be afraid, wait, I will come with you. Then they recognized his voice and waited, and when he came up to them, suddenly his bare skin fell off, and he stood there, a handsome man, clothed all in gold. I am a king's son, he said, and I was bewitched by that wicked dwarf, who had stolen my treasures. I had to run about the forest as a savage bear until I was freed by his death. Now he has got his well-deserved punishment. Snow White was married to him, and Rose Red to his brother, and they divided between them the great treasure which the dwarf had gathered together in his cave. The old mother lived peacefully and happily with her children for many years. She took the two rose trees with her, and they stood before her window, and every year bore the most beautiful roses, white and red. So I have a couple of questions for this one. Does that mean that Snow White and Red Rose were married super young? Mind you, it doesn't say how long time passed between those two points, so I guess we can just assume they got to know each other. <laughs> and we never found out what the prince did to cause the wrath of the dwarf. For all we know, the dwarf was just defending himself despite being an angry character. So many questions in this one, but I really like the story. What do you think? Let's go on to our next one, Catskin. There was once a king whose queen had hair of the purest gold, and was so beautiful that her match was not to be met with on the whole face of the earth. But this beautiful queen fell ill, and when she felt that her end drew near, she called the king to her and said, Promise me that you will never marry again unless you meet with a wife who is as beautiful as I am, and who has golden hair like mine. Then, when the king in his grief promised all she asked, she shut her eyes and died. But the king was not to be comforted, and for a long time never thought of taking another wife. At last, however, his wise men said, This will not do. The king must marry again, that we may have a queen. So messengers were sent far and wide, to seek for a bride as beautiful as the late queen. But there was no princess in the world so beautiful, and if there had been, still there was not one to be found who had golden hair, and had all their trouble for nothing. Now the king had a daughter, who was just as beautiful as her mother, and had the same golden hair. And when she was grown up, the king looked at her and saw that she was just like the late queen. 
Then he said to his courtiers, May I not marry my daughter? She is the very image of my dead wife. Unless I have her, I shall not find any bride on the whole earth. And you say there must be a queen. When the courtiers heard this, they were shocked and said, Heaven forbid that a father should marry his daughter. Out of so great a sin, no good can come. And his daughter was also shocked, but hoped the king would soon give up such thoughts. So she said to him, Before I marry anyone, I must have three dresses. One must be of gold, like the sun. Another must be of shining silver, like the moon. And the third, be dazzling as the stars. Besides this, I want a mantle of a thousand different kinds of fur, put together, to which every beast in the kingdom must give a part of his skin. And thus, she thought he would think of the matter no more. But the king made the most skillful workman weave the three dresses. One golden, like the sun, another silvery, like the moon, and a third sparkling, like the stars. And his hunters were told to hunt out all the beasts in his kingdom, and to take the finest fur out of their skins, and thus a mantle of a thousand furs was made. When all were ready, the king sent them to her. But she got up in the night, when all were asleep, and took three of her trinkets, a golden ring, a golden necklace, and a golden brooch, and packed the three dresses of the sun, the moon, and the stars up in a nutshell, and wrapped herself up in the mantle made of all sorts of fur, and besmeared her face and hands with soot. Then she threw herself upon heaven for help in her need, and went away, and journeyed on the whole night, till at last she came to a large wood. As she was very tired, she sat herself down in the hollow of a tree, and soon fell asleep. And there she slept on, till it was midday. Now as the king, whom the woods belonged to, was hunting in it, his dogs came to the tree, and began to snuff about, and run around and around, and bark. Look sharp, said the king of the huntsmen, and see what sort of game lies there. And the huntsmen went up to the tree, and when they came back again, said, In the hollow tree there lies a most wonderful beast, such as we never saw before. Its skin seems to be of a thousand kinds of fur, but there it lies, fast asleep. See, said the king, if you can catch it alive, and we will take it with us. So the huntsman took it up, and the maiden awoke, and was greatly frightened, and said, I am a poor child, there is neither father nor mother left. Have pity on me, and take me with you. Then they said, Yes, Miss Catskin, you will do for the kitchen. You can sweep up the ashes, and do things of that sort. So they put her into the coach, and took her home to the king's palace. Then they showed her a little corner, under the staircase, where no light of day ever peeped in, and said, Catskin, you may lie and sleep there. And she was sent into the kitchen, and made to fetch wood and water, to blow the fire, pluck the poultry, pick the herbs, sift the ashes, and do all the dirty work. Thus Catskin lived for a long time very sorrowfully. Ah, pretty princess, thought she. What will now become of thee? But it happened one day that a feast was to be held in the king's castle, so she said to the cook, May I go up a little while, and see what is going on? I will take care and stand behind the door. And the cook said, Yes, you may go, 
but be back in half an hour's time to rake out the ashes. Then she took her little lamp and went into the cabin, and took off the first skin and washed the soot from off her face and hands, so that her beauty shone forth like the sun from behind the clouds. She next opened her nutshell and brought out of it the dress that shone like the sun, and so went to the feast. Everyone made way for her, for nobody knew her, and they thought she could be no less than a king's daughter. But the king came up to her, and held out her hand and danced with her, and he thought in his heart, I never saw anyone half so beautiful. When the dance was at an end, she curtsied, and when the king looked round for her, she was gone. No one knew whither. The guards that stood at the castle gate were called in, but they had seen no one. The truth was, that she had run into her little cabin, pulled off her dress, blackened her face and hands, put on the fur-skin coat, and was cat-skin again. When she went into the kitchen to her work, and began to rake the ashes, the cook said, Let that alone till the morning, and heat the king's soup. I should like to run up now and give a peep, but take care, you don't let a hair fall into it, or you will run a chance of never eating again. As soon as the cook went away, Catskin heated the king's soup and toasted a slice of bread first, as nicely as ever she could. And when it was ready, she went and looked in the cabin for her little golden ring, and put into it the dish in which the soup was. When the dance was over, the king ordered his soup to be brought in, and it pleased him so well that he thought he had never tasted any so good before. At the bottom he saw a golden ring, lying. And as he could not make out how it got there, he ordered the cook to be sent for. The cook was frightened when he heard the order, and said to Catskin, You must have let a hair fall into the soup. If it be so, you will have a good beating. Then he went before the king, and he asked him who had cooked the soup. I did, answered the cook. But the king said, That is not true. It was better done than you could do it. To tell the truth, I did not cook it, but Catskin did. Then let Catskin come up, said the king. And when she came, he said to her, Who are you? I am a poor child, she said, that has lost both father and mother. How come you are in my palace? asked he. I am good for nothing, she said, but to be a scullion girl, and to have boots and shoes thrown at my head. But how did you get the ring that was in the soup? asked the king. Then she would not own that she knew anything about the ring. So the king sent her away again about her business. After a time, there was another feast, and Catskin asked the cook to let her go up and see it as before. Yes, said he, but come again in half an hour and cook the king the soup that he likes so much. Then she ran to her little cabin, washed herself quickly, and took her dress out, which was silvery as the moon, and put it on. And when she went in, looking like a king's daughter, the king went up to her, and rejoiced at seeing her again. And when the dance began, he danced with her. After the dance was at an end, she managed to slip out, so slyly, that the king did not see where she was gone. But she sprang into a little cabin, and made herself into catskin again, and went into the kitchen to cook the soup. Whilst the cook was above stairs, she got the golden necklace and dropped it into the soup. Then it was brought to the king who ate it, and it pleased him as well as before. 
So he sent for the cook, who was again forced to tell him that Catskin had cooked it. Catskin was brought again before the king, but she still told him that she was only fit to have boots and shoes thrown at her head. But when the king had ordered a feast to be got ready for the third time, it happened just the same as before. You must be a witch, Catskin, said the cook, for you always put something into your soup so that it pleases the king better than mine. However, he let her go up as before. Then she put on her dress, which sparkled like the stars, and went into the ballroom in it, and the king danced with her again, and thought she had never looked so beautiful as she did then. So whilst he was dancing with her, he put a gold ring on her finger without her seeing it, and ordered that the dance should be kept up a long time. When it was at an end, he would have held her fast by the hand, but slipped away and sprang so quickly through the crowd that he lost sight of her, and she ran as fast as she could into a little cabin under the stairs. But this time, she kept away too long, and stayed beyond the half hour, so she had not time to take off her fine dress, and threw her fur mantle over it, and in her haste did not blacken her face all over with soot, but left one of her fingers white. Then she ran into the kitchen and cooked the king's soup, and as soon as the cook was gone, she put the golden brooch into the dish. When the king got to the bottom, he ordered Catskin to be called once more, and soon saw the white finger, and the ring that he had put on it whilst they were dancing. So he seized her hand, and kept fast hold of it, and when she wanted to lose herself and spring away, the fur coat fell off a little on one side, and the starry dress sparkled underneath it. Then he got hold of the fur and tore it off, and her golden hair and beautiful form were seen, and she could no longer hide herself. So she washed the soot and ashes from her face, and showed herself to be the most beautiful princess upon the face of the earth. But the king said, You are my beloved bride, and we will never more be parted from each other. And the wedding feast was held, and a merry day it was, as ever was heard of or seen in that country, or indeed, any other. Well, those were certainly some interesting stories. Our first story had magic, and the second story had a morbid twist at the beginning, but a great ending. But both had true love. Also, have you ever heard of the storyteller, particularly the 1987 Jim Henson storyteller? Do any of you recall that one? It had massive Jim Henson puppets, and the storyteller was an old man and his dog. I absolutely loved the stories they shared. And Catskin actually reminds me a lot of one of the episodes that the storyteller by Jim Henson covered. The story Catskin is so similar to another German folk story titled Sapsaro. It's a combination of Cinderella and Catskin. You should really check it out. And a lot of my inspiration and love for sharing stories stems from that series. I'll include a link in this episode. Please check it out, it's a piece of my childhood that I'd like to share with you all. But I digress, the first story had me wondering if it was going to be anything related to Snow White, but I was fooled and pleasantly surprised at the rabbit hole that I went down. Either way, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be looking at more folktales next week, and I've already received two suggestions for stories. Keep them coming, folks. Let me know which Brothers Grimm tale you'd like heard. You can reach me at storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com, or even in the comments below. 
Have a fantastic weekend, my ghasts and ghouls, and get ready for next week, where I cover some Halloween stories as well. As always, till next time.